no asterisks, please, for anything that a young player does well in this organization. Zero asterisks. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this. Penguins 3, Blue Jackets 2 in the preseason game that was played yesterday at PPG Paints Arena. Goals from Alex Nylander, P.O. Joseph, and in the shootout, young Braden Yeager. Now, Nylander had a shootout goal, too, and both of them were a little too easy. Aaron Dell, the 34-year-old journeyman, is trying out in the Columbus camp and didn't exactly look like he was uh, a match for either of these shots. Nylander turning to a forehand deke and then... Jaeger doing something that I've seen a lot of from him in Cranberry, which is he'll just eye up his spot on the net and not overthink it. He just bullets it. And unlike the last young player, the Penguins had to do that. And yes, you have to go all the way back to Daniel Sprung. Sprung was always looking to pick corners and nail it under the bar and, and do something that was just exquisite. Now, to his credit, Sprong's capable of that, as he's continued to show in the NHL. Not capable of a whole heck of a lot else, but he can do that. Jaeger takes a little bit of a different approach. Jaeger isn't looking to ping one off of either post or the crossbar. Jaeger's looking to find twine and then just hit that twine. If this sounds like not that big a difference. Ask anyone who's been in the game, and they'll acknowledge that it really is. The longer-term, successful, more sustainable goal scorers will always be this type, will always be the guys that are just looking for something that's an opening. It doesn't matter where it is. They don't have an, a natural reflex to try to just shoot at the edges. And you know what else? I don't care if it's Dell. I don't care where the kid put the shot. And he did, by the way, find the twine to the far side. I don't care that it's preseason. I don't care that the Blue Jackets didn't have even a fraction of their regular roster there. What I care about is that that kid, first round pick, performing for the first time, in the arena where he's going to be employed on a regular basis, probably sooner rather than later, handled that situation the way he did. Didn't have that much to say about it afterward, but it was interesting to hear. Yeah, I definitely felt really good. Um, I kind of just had a move set in before I even went. Um, but uh, yeah, just you know, happy I went in and obviously got the win too. That's kind of who he is. The conversations I've, I've had two with him now have both been of the variety where you ask him something, he's got a great big smile on his face, he'll give you an answer, he won't expound on it, he won't get into any kind of detail or try to make either his answer or himself out to be more than they are. But here's the deal with Jaeger. One, not to keep belaboring this point, he's a young player in an organization 
that has no, almost no talent among the youth. And he stands out, unfortunately, to an incredibly great degree. Two, he does the thing that after 130-some years of this beautiful sport being on this planet is still the most valuable. There's no skill that's weighed higher than being able to finish plays. He's got other skills. He can make passes. He can dart around people. He's got great left-right movement. He's also got this really uncommon mix of being smart offensively, but at the same time diligent defensively. For a young player, that's not the norm, especially when it's a young player who has the finishing skill. Because if you have that, especially at the youth levels, junior levels, college, whatever it is, it's all you need. The other stuff is it's extra credit. It's extra credit if you're already an A-plus student. You know, you're wasting your time and the teacher's time. But he does it anyway. It's as if it's just part of who he is. And I know that's impressed management already to date. Look, again, I'm not taking this too far. He's 18 years old. He's undersized. He's understatured. Okay? He's got bulk that he needs to add to his existing frame, which isn't that big in the first place. So he's not imminent. He's going to go back to juniors. He's going to have to work his way into just being a professional before he can get to Pittsburgh. But man, he's got the cheat code, you know? When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by Family Table, a local company that brings delicious food to busy families. They offer family-style complete meals or a la carte items like lean proteins, perfect for muscle building and weight loss. If you're not local, gift cards are also available for your Pittsburgh-based family and friends. Go to FamilyTablePGH.com. That's FamilyTablePGH.com. And use the code DK40 or DK40 for 40% off and free delivery on your first order. Order by noon today for Thursday delivery. Today's J1Q comes from Eric who says, DK, we all know the storyline that Sidney Crosby is a creature of habit with certain players he prefers to play with, like, for example, Chris Letang. You've reported that Eric Carlson has been getting playing time with Evgeny Malkin, and this is probably due, I would think, to the same notion that Latang is Crosby's preferred defenseman. Your Friday daily shot of Penguins got me thinking that it might work better the other way around. Your analysis of Latang's and Carlson's playing styles could work out better this way. Latang, who generates all of his offensive capabilities, from the basis of a solid defensive stance, would work out better with Gino, who's a little less responsible defensively, while Sid has been working on his 200-foot game in recent years, might be better to compliment Carlson, who gets the rap of being more offensive than defensive. Curious about your take. There's a lot here, Eric, and, and it's a great, great subject to bring up. It's also going to be a great, great thing to be monitoring as training camp unfolds, including and chiefly whether or not this is correct. 
meaning that Sid would be out there with Latang and Gino would be out there with Carlson. I will say this. I will say that Carlson's bad rap as far as his defending is a little dated. Okay, it's not inaccurate, but it's a little dated. And it goes back to his early Ottawa days where he was just, oh, my goodness. He looked like he didn't have a care in the world back there because he knew that once he got the puck, he could get the Senators up ice like nobody else and score, and then everybody would forget about it. Well, he's not that anymore. In fact, one of the more interesting metrics on Carlson's general performance over the last couple of years in San Jose is that he leads all NHL defensemen in blocked shots. And that's going to sound crazy to you because especially those of you who've been around hockey for a long time, you might go all the way back to Craig Ludwig blocking shots in Montreal and then Dallas by wearing these giant goalie-sized shin pads and sliding all over creation. That's not the only tracking, though, for blocked shots. If you put your stick down and someone tries to take a shot and you redirect it, it goes up off the glass, up off the netting, whatever, that goes down officially as a blocked shot. And those are the kind that Carlson registers, and he registers them regularly. So he's not awful in his own end the way he used to be. Now, your overall, I don't even want to call it a point because it's more of a discussion, still stands. I have no doubt whatsoever that Sid's preference would be to play with Latang. I have no doubt about that. I also have no doubt that Gino always ends up with everybody's seconds, not to refer to Carlson as seconds or Riley Smith as seconds. These are really, really good hockey players. But that's the way it's been now for almost two decades in Pittsburgh. So rather than fighting that and trying to swim upstream against something that's been going on forever, the Penguins do the other right thing, which is to go find Gino. Some terrific players as well. But rather than looking at this from the defensive viewpoint as you did, I would go the other direction. My concern with Gino and Carlson being on the rink together is more about the offensive zone. Both of those guys don't just want the puck. They demand the puck. And then once they get it, they hang on to it for a while. But when it's Carlson's time to create, when he sees something in the slot or in front of the net, he will take a very direct approach. He'll find the blade, even of some fourth line dude, and set them up for an open netter, essentially open netter. I have no idea how that'll work with Gino, and I'm not going to sit here and try to play all smart about it and predict something and go, ooh, look at this, I called this. I, I don't know. I just don't know. This is a different thing, okay? I have much more confidence in how Gino and Smith will work together. Smith is just such a compatible player, for lack of a better way to put that. Always has been. But Gino and Carlson in the offensive zone, yeah, 
Buckle up. Buckle up, everybody. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. I'm going to do another one of these tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.